0: This is Paul with the Discover It podcast. Today we're going to be talking about learned helplessness. Uh, Jody, um, would you go ahead and uh, read what the American Psycho- Psychiatric Association uh, statement that I sent you?
1: Yeah. Uh, this says um, It says, according to the American Psychological Association, Learned helplessness occurs when somebody repeatedly faces uncomfortable, stressful situations, then does not exercise control when it becomes available. They have learned that they are helpless in that situation and no longer try to change it, even when change is possible. Once a person having this experience discovers that they cannot control events around them, they lose motivation. Even if an opportunity arises that allows the person to to alter their circumstances, they do not take the action. Individuals experience learned helplessness um, are often less able to make decisions.
0: In the conversation that we had earlier today, uh, Jody, um, the learned helplessness that you've experienced in your life with some of the people that you've ran into, you want to do a synopsis on that?
1: Yeah, so um, I was talking about a lot of people, you know, they they go through similar situations as other people, and one person will exercise their control and their tools, and the other person will just think they're helpless or it's no use anyway. And I thought it was kind of interesting in thinking, like, how can two people in similar situations or somebody in a worse situation be able to take control and make changes and then another person not be able to. And, you know, a lot of it comes from, you know, we talk about our past program conditioning and where you're just, you continuously, like this, this article says, you, you don't utilize control when you think you just have bad luck or you always make mistakes or maybe from something from the way you were raised or things like that. And after you do this long enough, you just eventually, you know, s- stop making choices. And, you know, we, we talk about the three-step method where we identify, confront, and be proactive. And, you know, identifying these areas and, and where that comes from is, is difficult in, like, self-reflection and looking at it um, on your own. And that's where, you know, someone else that can help you kind of analyze things and maybe throw out ideas to kind of get you thinking about where maybe these came from or that they even exist. And then once you realize they exist, you know, being able to confront them. Um, A lot of people struggle with just accepting the fact that these things they're trying to identify are true, and I think that's the big part where the the change would happen. And then, you know, other people were, you know, programmed kind of like myself where it's like you can do anything you put your mind to, you know, um, always you can always figure out a way some way or another things make we, some people just make things happen <laughs> um and you know so it's it's uh definitely a, a learned process
0: thanks paul you're very welcome jody um, appreciate your uh sharing tonight uh let's go to uh jeff jeff you online Yeah, I'm here. Jeff, uh, you're in graduate school right now, but uh, we talked about that uh, in one of your psychology classes, you uh, learned about learned helplessness. you want to uh, share with us what you've learned and put your two cents worth
2: in? Sure. Um, So basically, learned helplessness can occur uh, during any... Any stage of life, um, the unless it happens very, very young in life, um, it's always reversible. And even if it happens very young in life, it can still be treated and managed. So it can it will be worse if it happens before the age of two. And the cases in which um, that I've learned about in which the most severe forms of learned helplessness occur, are, for example, when a parent leaves their, like their child is crying for they eat the it two. Child is crying and the parent leaves them to cry and cry and cry, cry uh, all until they just cry themselves asleep. Um, that child learns that they have no influence on the world or the people around them because the purpose of ch- children crying isn't just to cry when they're sad, it's to um, it's because they have no means to take care of themselves and they are completely dependent on their parents. So the crying, when they cry and they and their parents come to them, they learn, oh, I, I can influence the world around me and the people around me. I have a way to meet my needs. But when the child is left to cry um, and doesn't have their needs met, they eventually stop crying uh, because they learn that no matter what they do, they can not influence the world around them. Um, and that can lead to if you if it happens at that young of an age for a long time, that can lead to um, juvenile delinquency and uh, just a lifetime of crime because the everything that happens to them is not because of them; it's because of things that happen to them, and they have no means of conceptualizing that they can influence the world around them. Um, it is just inbuilt in them in a very young age and it's very hard to tackle when they're half that young. It can happen later in life too um, if you have a series of incidents where you didn't don't know how to handle it and no matter what you did, had no influence on on the world, you had no influence on the effect um, or you felt like you didn't have any influences on what happened around you. Um, you can you may uh, come to believe that no matter what you do, you're not going to have an effect on it but likely the reason that the world is you come to believe that is because you are using ineffectual strategies or you were in a very harmful and toxic environment that um, shouldn't have had to put up with and that hopefully now hopefully one day when you're not in that environment um, the um, assuming you can get out of that environment you can then start to use new strategies and start taking control of your life once again um, but it is you you will have to um, Uh, you will have to overcome that feeling of not being able to influence the world around you. Um, And once you do overcome that feeling, then um, you you are on the pathway to success after that.
0: Thank you uh, for that sharing there, Jeff. Um, Do do you see where when an individual, especially when they're young, if they're not uh, conditioned to be uh, self-sufficient, have boundaries, and things of this nature. How learned helplessness can come into effect.
2: Yeah, I can see that. Um, so, if you, it, it can happen in different domains of your life too. It doesn't have to be. Um, doesn't have to be just spread out across all domains. So, um, it can be um, just in your um, personal life. So, if you um, have learned if you have been discouraged to set boundaries, as you said, Paul, or you've been dis- uh, you never uh, really took um, thoughtful action in your social relationships. You just reacted to the events around you rather than thinking about it and making decisions. Um, if you didn't, ha- if you never had those experiences, of making decisions um, about how you're going to respond to other people, how you're going to treat other people, and it's just relying on your emotional moment-to-moment reaction. Other people, you'll you won't have that sense of agency and control over your behavior, um, and especially as a child growing up, you have to you know that's something that you have to learn growing up. And if you never are in an environment where you have that opportunity to learn, um, then you um, then you know you, you will be farther behind people who other people who may have been practicing uh, good social uh, good social behaviors. Um, and also I think um, maybe one thing that may be particularly prevalent, prevalent now is um, uh, because of COVID was, you know, you had a bunch of kids who were stuck inside playing video games all day um, and wasn't weren't interacting with people in school. And there's a lot of evidence coming out that um, children nowadays um, and teenagers nowadays, they're dating less, they're socializing less, they are more socially anxious, um, more introverted, more neurotic than previous generations before them, and that's because um, they were trapped inside all day and not able to socialize and um, learn skills that, mo- that uh, they would have developed um, as a uh, natural progression um, um, in the normal course of events without, uh, if they weren't isolated. Because as social interactions, what what happens is you, um, you, when, when you have a group of friends, you are, it's kind of like a, a, um, maturation circle. It's like you guys are all maturing together and, and testing each other and teaching each other and helping each other grow. And as soon as that gets cut off and everybody is no longer maturing together and they get used to staying inside and not socializing, well, then you have a whole group of people who are no longer interacting with the world and the other people in the world, and they are kind of stuck where they, where they left off at the age they were when they um, were quarantining. Um, so we have 18-year-olds who may, may be acting like 14-year-olds right now. We have—I know personally one—I know an individual who teaches seventh graders, and they—and she said they are the most—they are far more mature than they were. At seventh graders than than pre-COVID, and uh, it's 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 sad. You know, we uh, children need to socialize and they need to interact with each other and they need to play. And if they're not getting that, then they're not maturing. At least they're very going to be very stunted in uh, in their um, ability to react uh, to interact with other people socially. Thanks, Paul.
0: Thank you very much for the sharing that you just did.
2: um let me ask
0: you one more thing, Jeff. With these young people today, do you see any way that they are being taught learn helplessness
2: specifically? yeah, um so I think there's a I think that there's particularly young men, so young women or let's well girls uh they are naturally more agreeable um than boys and that's a temperamental differences between genders boys are more less agreeable than girls, which means and being less agreeable means that uh you are you are more headstrong uh, more stubborn um less likely to uh be obedient. To um, authority figures or to anybody really, and um, being agreeable means you you have a um, you want to please other people you, you want to um, you you uh, want harmony in social relationships and because of that uh, um, and th- that kind of uh, dis- causes boys and girls to behave differently um, and contributes to the reason that girls perform better in school. Um, but um, so our schools have progressively um, become more protectionist, protectionist, in um, in terms of keeping kids safe. Um, on one hand, it's understandable you have school shootings that happen all the time. But a lot of the policies that I see going on um, are taking decision, taking the ability of kids to make their own decisions and therefore their own mistakes and learn from them and keep giving that to the administration. Um, And I think that's a really big problem because, yeah, kids are going to make a whole bunch of boneheaded mistakes. Um, Every single person listening to this right now has probably made a ton of boneheaded mistakes as a kid. But it's those, I mean, I'm sure most of the people listening to this can also say that if they didn't make those mistakes uh, or that, that, the consequences of those mistakes were, especially the worst mistakes, were the ones they learned the most from. Um, So we're taking those opportunities to to learn and and to make mistakes, and you need those opportunities to mature. We've been taking those opportunities away from kids in order to protect them from emotional pain and suffering, but um, being able to, one, experience that emotional pain and suffering is really important because as soon as they leave that environment and go out into the real world, real world then there's nobody protecting them from that, from events that can be emotionally painful. Um, and they have no idea how to cope with that. Um, and, I mean, once, once you don't know how to cope with that, you're going to be crippled under be crippled underneath the pressures of the world that expects you to be able to cope with it by the time you're an adult. Um, so I think the mistake to... Take the opportunity for kids to make mistakes um, away from kids, and uh, um, even if it's well intentioned, which I think was is the main main reason that it's happening. But um, even though it's well intentioned, I think it's having very negative consequences on um, on children's development.
0: Thank you very much, Judy, and uh, Jeff, for your sharing this evening. Uh, anybody else want to? say anything about learned helplessness before we get off the phone today? All right, gang. Next Thursday night, 730, be on call and tell your friends, relatives, and even your enemies to be on call next Thursday night, 730. Call in 518- 992- 1035 Access code 655145. We will see you next Thursday
2: night. Thank you very much.